Well, welcome to a very special edition of the Tez Scotland podcast. I'm Henry Hepburn, news editor at Tez Scotland, and I'm joined by reporter Emma Seath. Hi, Emma. Hello there, hi. And Tez, head of FE and expert in all things college-related in Scotland, Julia Belgatai. Hi, Julia. Hello. We are here to talk about our 10 People of the Year, revealed in the special Christmas issue of Tez Scotland out today, an issue which I should say is available to all online, not just subscribers. This list is a celebration of everything that educators have done this year, and we want it to be shared as widely as possible. It has, of course, uh, been a year like no other, and our list is dominated by the response to COVID-19. And without further ado, we'll start off with our person of the year, who is, drumroll, you. No, sorry, Emma. Sorry, Julia, not you. We've made, <laughs> maybe next year, maybe next year. Uh, we've made our person of the year the collective education sector, the teachers, the school leaders, the lecturers, and everyone else who has kept education going on in every sector this year. We've written in the magazine today that the sector's determination to ensure that no child and no student suffers from this epochal, is that the right pronunciation of that? I've written that word, I've just realised that's the first time I've ever said it, epochal, epochal? <laughs> Fair enough, I think you can go with that. Okay. Calamity has for those so an epochal, an epochal calamity has for those who have been paying attention been an utter inspiration. You don't do a job like teaching for the plaudits, but by God, teachers deserve them. Emma and Julia, what are your takes on why this was the only fitting choice for our 2020 person or as it turns out, people of the year? Well, I mean, I guess that you had um the move to online learning. Uh, well, the, the school closures, <laughs> the move to online learning, the cancelled exams then the teacher judgment, then you had that algorithm and you had the uh, scrapping of the moderation. You know, it's just been this unrelenting stream of, of, you know, sort of previously unheard of, you know, challenges for teachers to sort of just have to kind of suck up and just take in their stride. And, and by and large, you know, They've done it. <laughs> They've returned. They returned to schools after lockdown. They made them safe. You know, it, it's it's been um, a really challenging and difficult time, but um, schools and teachers have risen to that challenge. And Julia, from a more college point of view, how what would you say? I mean, I guess the thing to keep in mind is how much everyone has found this year incredibly challenging, and just keeping themselves going and keeping their families going and dealing with, you know, new issues of loneliness and things we've never had to think about, like track and trace and taking face coverings into shops. And on top of that, if you worked in the education sector, you then had responsibility for, you know, what in colleges cases, often thousands of people of all ages, what in a school setting is hundreds of children and young people, and you had to make sure that you kept them going all at the same time. So if I consider how challenging I have found 2020, the thought that you would then also have responsibility for the learning and progress and you know, general well-being of what could well be thousands of people. I feel they've very much earned a Tez accolade, if nothing else. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think um, what's also worth noting at this point is that the praise that we are putting towards the sector here is not necessarily always reflected in all as in all elements of the media, of wider society, politically, um, and that. Uh, Teachers and other education professionals do feel a bit let down sometimes by some of the narratives that play out around their sector, particularly in this year of all years, where they really, as, uh, as Em and Julia both said, have really risen to the challenge. Um, 
Now, for our nine other choices, we've singled out individuals, but we should say that while their achievements have been absolutely outstanding, in every case, they're also emblematic of a wider cause or effort. And for our the first of those, um, that, I mean, that's certainly true of Stephen Stewart. Emma, who is Stephen and why did we choose him? Okay, well, um, he's a, a teacher, a computing teacher um, from Loch Aber High in Highland. Um, he's head of the computing science, business and digital technology faculty there. And um, basically this story was just a massive relief <laughs> because it was a positive news story at a time when... Um, wasn't really just so much that there was a stream of bad news, there was just so much uncertainty. So we were talking about back at the towards the end of March that we published this online. So schools had been closed, exams cancelled, but we were only just, you know, kind of starting to understand what the consequences of all that was, you know, sort of going to be. Um, and, uh, you know, online learning was only just, you know, sort of cranking up. Um, so there was a lot of uncertainty and there wasn't much positive that was happening that you could kind of report on or write about. Um, it was really just trying to keep up with the news <laughs> as you were um, bombarded with it, uh, basically, and trying to keep teachers informed and keep our audience up to date. And then <laughs> Stephen Stewart wrote this tweet where he, um, he explained that he had been approached by consultant from a nearby hospital, Belford Hospital, um, and this consultant had heard that the school had a 3D printer and he asked um, Stephen Stewart to create some safety visors for the hospital staff at this time. It was when, you know, the hospitals were struggling to get enough um, PPE. Um, so uh, Mr Stewart rose the challenge and he um, very quickly produced five of these visors for the hospital. Obviously, we know that since then there have been loads and loads of schools that have done, you know, sort of similar things, um, either making PPE or doing things like donating safety goggles to hospitals. But um, Stephen Stewart was really the first teacher that we reported on um, doing this. I, I remember Emma being really excited when you told me about the story way back in in March, I think it was, and um, obviously shortly after all these huge announcements about exams, about schools closing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it was just, it was a really nice shaft of light amidst all that uh, turmoil. And and as you say, it was amazing how quickly things clicked in after that. It was the first time I'd heard of anyone doing this. And then all, and soon, within a matter of weeks, you had all sorts of schools almost becoming production lines for PPE, colleges too, collaborations between colleges and schools and the commercial sector. And uh, it was really quite amazing how quickly that ramped up. Um, Julia, moving on to the next one, uh, you're going to talk to Alana Pignatello and Alana, huge apologies if I've not quite nailed that pronunciation. But uh, Julia, tell us about what what she was doing this year and why it made a made a real uh, splash. So Alana is a great example of the way that college lectures, in particular, rose to the challenge of of online learning. What's worth, I guess, keeping in mind is that a lot of college subjects are incredibly hands on. The whole point of going to college for lots of students is that it's practical, that it's hands on. That you're actually learning a, a skill and a craft by doing it. It's a lot less, you know, sort of teaching to a classroom setting than you would expect in a school. And so, you know, initially, it's probably one of the areas of concern around closing closing colleges for face-to-face learning. How do you get any of those skills across in an online learning setting? And it turned out that, you know, not only is that entirely possible, lots of people really excelled at at doing that and at delivering this sort of learning online. 
And Alana certainly was a rather high profile example of this. Um, she is a makeup artistry lecturer at Ayrshire College and uh, rose to fame in sort of April time when, uh, in response to a challenge from students actually, they had been doing sort of daily makeup challenges um, on online platform. And as one of her challenges, she then turned herself into, I guess, could describe as a sort of super nurse, um, completely transformed her face. Uh, and from then on did more or less daily challenges, turning herself into first sort of NHS related characters, but then also Sir Tom Moore, the Queen, uh, Boris Johnson, and stars like Louis Capaldi, which then led to um, him responding to this on Twitter. And this then got her the attention of the national media and she ended up on all sorts of programs, demonstrating her skills, uh, turning herself into the presenters of those programs and just generally showing, you know, in, in kind of short Twitter videos, the absolutely outstanding skills that she has, but also the sort of skills that she is teaching her students in Ayrshire. And so it wasn't just a, an entirely new way of, of teaching makeup artistry. Um, it was also a great showcase of the sort of level of skills that, that we have in colleges. And it was a great showcase as well, wasn't it, for obviously in schools also, but particularly in colleges, maybe that there are so many subjects that are, which are so practically based where the practical skills are front and centre of what students do that all of a sudden when coronavirus came along, there was a huge challenge presented as to how do you, you know, how do you continue teaching and learning when you can't get in a space with your lecturer, with the, the expert who's going to help you you know, work on these skills. And uh, so in a way, Alana represents all the ingenuity that was shown by people across the, the whole FE college sector and beyond uh, in terms of keeping things going in, in all sorts of ingenious ways. No, absolutely. And, you know, I, there are, while she was, like I said, one of the more high profile examples, just because of the media coverage that she got and continues to get, because she still does these videos and it's very well worth a look at her, her Twitter profile to see some of these videos. You know, we had lecturers turning their garages into rooms that they were painting and decorating to let their students see specific techniques. We had um, more land-based agricultural colleges putting cameras into animal pens to make sure that students keep track on, on the animals around. There were amazingly creative ideas, people doing cooking and baking classes from home, you know, literally drowning in bread by, by the end of that because, uh, because they were trying to demonstrate new skills. Um, there was a, a young college student in the Highlands and Islands, I remember, who was doing fitness classes um, in Gaelic, so combining all sorts of school subjects specifically aimed at younger school children. Um, so really making use of the technologies around and being incredibly innovative around subjects that you don't think of as a remote learning experience. And I think there's probably a fair bit of crossover with our next, the next person on our shortlist, who is Blair Minchin. Emma, can you tell us about Blair? Well, yeah, sure. Um, so Blair is a um, PC teacher at Victoria Primary in Edinburgh, and um, he vlogs a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and he's become hugely successful at it, and he's got loads of followers on social media. And he creates these massively engaging, very short videos about, you know, sort of what he's been getting up to in his classroom. Um, so, uh, so just to give a few examples, so last Friday he was um, broadcasting, this is something a little bit different, he was broadcasting a school disco from his kitchen. 
um and any of any school could you know kind of fit in with that I guess it's like as the year you know as the um term comes to an end it's the kind of thing that schools would usually be doing but of course it's a bit um harder to do uh given the restrictions that are in place because of the pandemic so he was doing that but during lockdown he had these little lesson posts where he had loads of these it's actually called little lessons wasn't it it was called little lessons uh you sort of framed it as that yeah yeah it was all these ideas for home learning um and then recently one of the things he's been doing is a, a lesson every week based on a film and you know so just now that the one that he's giving most kind of prominence to on his um sort of pages one that was inspired by Jurassic Park, um, by the film Jurassic Park, and his pupils were learning about all the different kinds of dinosaurs, and they also excavated um, a dinosaur fossil. Not really, <laughs> but um, he put a huge pile of sand onto his floor, and the kids were able to use brushes and things to, you know, sort of get down to the bones, and then that led to them then learning about, you know, sort of all the different, you know, the so the, the the skull, the vertebrae, the ribs. Um, and then as well as, you know, sort of learning about all the different dinosaurs. But, you know, so much of what he does just looks like such fabulous fun, but equally is of great educational value. And I guess, you know, when it comes down to it, uh, that's what it's all about, that great classroom learning and he's sharing it. So, yeah. And I think I think even before coronavirus, we were writing about how he'd taken to vlogging like a teacher in Scotland and then he really sort of ramped up during coronavirus. So I think it's well worth the... If that's a road uh, any, anyone wants to go down, it's well worth checking out uh, his Twitter and just seeing what he gets up to. Um, our next uh, person, the next person on our shortlist is Erin Bleakley, who is uh, a pupil in Glasgow. If you flash back to the 4th of August, um, after months of uh, dire predictions about the chaos that would ensue when the SQA results came out, lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. And uh, the, the, the main um, concerns, I guess, that emerged well, amongst many were the, the, the evidence that um, pupils, students from poorer backgrounds were more likely to have been downgraded in their results and this led to a huge um, reaction from pupils and students themselves in colleges and schools And uh, but instead of just you know complaining and saying they're not happy a lot of them went about did something about it and none more so than Erin Bleakley uh, who's people in Glasgow and uh, essentially a few days later she'd organised a protest in George Square I went and interviewed her there um, it was the first time I'd been outside my home in Falkirk um, for since since before coronavirus, and um, and really I thought I was really struck by her eloquence, her self assurance um, that just seemed at odds with my generations. I'm someone who left school in 1993, where certainly in Scotland, by and large, we didn't have that sort of self assurance, that that ability to express our views. I, I and. Um, I think that that's a real something that really makes this generation stand out. And uh, people like Erin, if you didn't know already, if the government didn't know already, then you know they've, they've, they saw very clearly there's a generation of young people now who, when they see injustice, won't stay quiet and will swiftly do something about it. And hard to gauge exactly how much her contribution and that of other people's like her um, made a difference. But certainly, as we all know, within a week, there'd been a, a massive U-turn um, on the results from uh, government and... Uh, Certainly, I would say no small part to the the the, the efforts of the likes of, of Erin. Um, the next person on our list is Siobhan Argyle. Julia, could you tell us about Siobhan? I certainly can. So Siobhan is also a, a college lecturer. She teaches at New College Lanarkshire. And she uh, did an awful lot of online teaching, dressing up as the queen to teach adult Spanish. And we, we did a separate piece on that. But um, what I feel she certainly deserves 
to be on this list for is a challenge that she set herself, which was what she called the 100 song challenge. So every day, quite often uh, on the back of inspiration from other people in the education sector or um, tweets that she had seen or little stories that had happened, she wrote a short song. And these could be around dodging people as you go for a walk to try and keep social distancing, to missing the biscuits that are in the staff room at break time, to um, little stories that she heard from, from friends and neighbours. I myself had a song dedicated to a rather bad habit I developed at university around stealing other people's biscuits. <laughs> and uh, it was at by the time that she started this challenge, such a much needed sort of two minute laugh in the middle of each day that uh, they became hugely popular and were shared widely. She also tackled some really difficult areas around grief and sort of mental health challenges. So they weren't all just funny. Um, and it was just such a great thing to do and find time for in what I'm sure is a busy day of a, of a lecturer. Um, and she kept going even beyond the 100 songs and still occasionally does little musical bits online. And uh, yeah, it was just a really beautiful tale of sort of things people can put their mind to in, in lockdown. Yeah, and I think, again, she almost stands as a proxy, not, not for her own amazing creative endeavours, but for there was a real explosion of creativity um, after in this, the period immediately after lockdown. You saw schools and colleges doing all these incredible videos and, you know, keeping connections alive through their, their creative um, efforts, uh, songs, drama, all sorts of uh, uh, all sorts of things. And uh, as we say in the piece in the magazine, um, some of the song titles of, that Siobhan came up with have, uh, are, are anthems for our times. We've got Work Clothes for the Lazy, There's a Light That Shines on You, and Woven Goodbye at the End of the Zoom Meeting, which <laughs> I think about sums it up for pretty much all of us. Um, yep. So the next person on our list is uh, Khadija, Khadija Mohammed. Uh, Khadija is a primary teacher and an academic in teacher education. Um, and she has uh, she has talked about how it's not a glass ceiling that is afflicting a black and ethnic minority teachers' professional progress, but a concrete one. Um, BAME head teachers, for example, are almost non-existent in Scotland. Um, we uh, we spoke to uh, Khadija for a podca podcast earlier this year, and she. She spoke very frankly, very compellingly about her own experience and uh, she's repeatedly shone a light on what she describes as the often subtle and covert racism BAME teachers continue to face in school from their colleagues. And that ranges from not being invited on staff nights out to conversations coming to an abrupt halt when they enter the room. So it can be really quite insidious um, uh, as an experience. Um, and in a year when the Black Lives Matter movement became a global phenomenon after those horrendous acts of police violence in the USA, Khadija provides crucial reminders for all of us that racism also corrodes in insidious and slow-burning ways. Emma, obviously you and I met Khadija earlier this year. What, what was your main takeaway from our, our chat with Khadija? I think that just the, the, um, that actually it's not necessary, you know, we obviously need to make some big changes. We need to make some big improvements in terms of the number of um, BAME teachers that we have in Scottish schools. But also her message I thought was that actually some small things also kind of go a long way. So you mentioned about people not taking the time when she was at school to pronounce her name correctly and that that was something that actually continued to be a problem. But, you know, that was so tied up with her identity that it was um, you know, sort of, it's such a kind of dismissive thing to do if you don't even take the time to understand how to pronounce somebody's name. Um, 
you know, that we shouldn't perpetuate in the classroom, you know, sort of negative or unhelpful stereotypes, that we should try not to use that kind of language of us and them. I think she gave that example of um, a teacher who said, we celebrate Christmas because that's Jesus's birthday. They celebrate Eid and Ramadan because that's the Prophet Muhammad's birthday. You know, so these, so, so somebody who's maybe, you know, sort of actually trying to, you know, sort of broaden out the kind of festivals that maybe she's, you know, sort of drawing attention, her pupils' attention to, but, you know, is actually inadvertently, you know, because of the way that it's, because of the language that they're using, they're inadvertently kind of seeing um, this, you know, sort of sense of us and them. Um, you know, so I just thought that it was really interesting that about just the, the small tweaks and the small changes that could make quite a big difference. Um, other things she talked about was having languages other than English on your walls, showing to show you value other cultures, stories that were not just by white authors about white families. You know, so I thought that it was it was a really sort of powerful podcast, and she really kind of drew attention to that um, idea that educators are in this unique position to shape the perceptions of young people, and they can either replicate the social inequalities. That exist or they can create classrooms that are safe places where um they disrupt the status quo i think she said you know so i thought it was you know so it was just so enlightening and that leads us on to the next entry on our list which is saroj lal she was one of the first perhaps the first bme teacher in edinburgh at south morningside primary in 1970 and sadly died in march her son, Vineet, explained in a wonderful piece for Tess Scotland in August that it was hard to imagine just how daunting it would have felt to be the very first BAME teacher in a school. She had a profound and lasting effect on pupils. Her son recalls that in particular her experience as a first-generation migrant meant that she had a unique rapport with children who felt in some way excluded or lacking in empathy and support. Professor Rawina Arshad, who in 2013 became the first BAME head of a University School of Education in Scotland at Edinburgh University, said that Saroj would have had to be incredibly resilient and creative in taking forward race equality at a time when pupils rarely saw a person of colour in their textbooks. Uh, Saroj also saw the need to recruit more BME teachers in Scotland as a particularly pressing swift improvement in that area, I guess, would be a, a very fitting way to mark the passing of someone who's a really a true trailblazer. And just finally, um, Vineet, her son, made the point that she became a teacher just after the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, he was sad that she didn't quite live to see the, the Black Lives Matter protests that became a defining feature of 2020. Our next entry on the list is Angela Morgan. Um, Emma, can you tell us about Angela? Uh, so Angela Morgan, she was um, set the task of carrying out the independent review of additional support for learning. So this would be something that um, all teachers will be interested in. I mean, interestingly, we've just had some stats published which show that, again, the number of children with an identified additional support needs has risen. Um, so, you know, we've gone now from 30.9% uh, of kids with an identified additional support need to 32.3%. So these figures just keep on going up. But there's a real um, feeling amongst teachers the the amount of support that they're getting in order to be able to deal with all of this diverse range of needs in their classroom just isn't there. So to have somebody carry out an independent review was really welcome and um, Andrew Morgan found that, you know, um, that the support for children with additional support needs is fragmented and inconsistent. 
and as a result not all children um, with additional support needs are flourishing and fulfilling their potential. Um, she said that ASN children and the staff that work with them are not valued at an equal level and highlighted the enormous pressure school staff in general are under as well as the feeling of powerlessness that families often have. But then there was a major criticism of the review in the um, Angela Morgan wasn't allowed to look into the funding of ASN. So that's what most um, teachers will tell you is the problem because there's not enough money in order to sort of bring in the classroom assistance or the um, you know sort of specialist help and support that they need in order to be able to you know, sort of cater for the needs of all of their pupils. Um, but something that, that Angela Morgan says, or she acknowledges that, you know, that the that, that finance, you know, that finance is an issue. But she also sort of she also says that there are other things that um that schools can do you know sort of in order to um make life you know sort of better for these children and that there is still sometimes you know sort of a bit of a sense about whether or not everybody is actually signed up to inclusion and that she's really firmly of the belief that all teachers need to see this as part of their role um yeah, but that's certainly it's certainly, you know, a review that a lot of teachers will have welcomed and um, there'll be more to come as Audit Scotland actually looks at the funding um, a bit later on. Uh, I think that that's due for um, next year. Yeah, it's such an important report. And I think as a lot of people pointed out at the time, it probably didn't get anything like the, the media attention that it should have had. So it's well worth seeking out for anyone who works in education in Scotland. Um, our final entry in the list is Teresa Porter. Teresa is head teacher at Rickerton Early Childhood Centre in Kilmarnock. And we were absolutely delighted at the TES Awards um, last month that uh, that uh, they won the top early year, they won the early years category at the awards. And, and I think it's really fitting to have had the early years in Scotland rewarded in that way because um, it's such a huge priority in Scotland just now. The judges uh, praised her inspirational leadership um, uh, the, and talked about the school continue that the, con the school continuously provides a stimulating environment. It's a real focus on the needs of the child in terms of their interests, creativity, and curiosity. Now, in a normal year, uh, we would have gone out and spent some time at Rickerton, um, had a look at what they're doing, written up a, a nice detailed piece about what's what was on there. Obviously, that's not been possible of late, but uh, it's the sort of thing that uh, we hope to start doing again next year at some stage, not only at Rickerton Early Childhood Centre, but in many other schools, colleges, nurseries. Um, so that's that's a big aim for all of us next year. So there you have it. Um, you've got our list. Um, we will, of course, be selecting another 10 people of the year 12 months from now. We hope the list will not be quite as dominated by COVID next time around, but I guess it's too early to tell whether that will be the case. For now, uh, we'd like to raise a glass to each and every educator in the land who's poured so much energy, dedication, passion and love into what they've done this year. Um, Emma, Julia, any last thoughts? Any any particular hopes for 2021? I hope it's very different. <laughs> As do all of us. Emma? Yeah, I hope that your COVID predictions don't come true. <laughs> You're scaring me, Henry. <laughs> Everything is going to be normal by this time next year as far as Yeah, yeah absolutely back to normal, I'm sure. Well, thanks, uh, Emma and Julia, for sharing all your insights. Let's do it all again a year from now. For now, it's a goodbye from all of us. We'd like to wish you all a very happy festive period and all the very best for 2021.